Let's pray before we go into God's word. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, we, we thank you once again for your goodness. We praise your holy name. We behold you, Lord, for your great and awesome and marvelous. And while yet you are so great, you also came down for us. You, you loved us so much so that you sent your son Jesus to come and die on our place so that we can be brought back to your presence through the blood of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the many nations who are represented here, Lord. We want to pray for, for the nations that are going through difficult times, even as we speak. We also think of our nation, our own nation, where we live, Lord. There are conflicts and displacements and, and challenges in so many parts of our nation. Not only in Ethiopia, but in other parts of the world where there is conflict, challenges, Lord. We also hear of heat waves, Lord, affecting people's lives. We, we know, and also there is this economic challenges energy challenges that we are facing currently, Lord. We bring all this matter before you, Lord. May your peace reign when there is conflict, Lord. May you provide for those who are displaced. May you comfort also those who are experiencing losses, family loss or job loss or whatever loss there may be, Lord. We pray for our leaders whom you have put in positions of authority to make important decisions over the nations, Lord. We pray that they would be man after your own heart and that they would not look to their own interest, Lord, but to the interest of those people whom they are leading, Lord. We pray for the churches, for our church and for the many churches around the world where your truth, where your gospel is being declared, Lord. May it penetrate the hearts and minds of people, Lord. May it impact their lives. May the gospel take root in their hearts and may your kingdom expand in this nation and in many nations, Lord. Today, as even look into your word, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us and lead us into your truth. And may we find comfort. May we find truth. May we find conviction from your word in this morning. We commit our time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week, Dr. Vic Anderson challenged us as he was talking about the eschaton, the end times, that God is going to completely and irreversibly destroy his enemies. So there's not going to be any enemy at the end times. And also, he told us that we, the people of God, have the opportunity for an intimate relationship with him when Jesus comes. But he challenged us, while we are still waiting for the glorious appearing of our Lord, we are to remain loyal and devoted to him. So this morning I want to extend on that theme and ask the question, how do as people of God remain loyal and devoted to him? How does the gospel, how does our lives make an impact? I believe most of us desire to invest in the kingdom of God by investing in the lives of other people. But there are challenges, the business of life and questions about giftedness and perhaps fear holds us back 
from making an impact in God's kingdom. Yes, we love God, and we desire to express our loyalty and devotion to Him in practical ways. And yes, sometimes we don't know how. How do we do that? And we don't know where to start. With a desire to do one day great things for God, we often neglect the small and the little ways we can impact and play our role in His kingdom. We've been looking at the New Testament for the last few weeks. I want us to go back to the Old Testament for us this morning. And we'll look at an Old Testament story. It's one of the famous stories in the Bible. And we studied it in our Sunday school and we've read it so many times. The story is found in 2 Kings chapter 5. And we'll find out how a little girl from the unlikeliest places under unfavorable circumstances made a kingdom impact and remained loyal and devoted to her Lord. So we'll be focusing on this little girl. As it is our custom, I want us all to stand for the reading of God's word. The words will be on the screen. We'll be reading from the ESV. This is how it reads. Second Kings chapter 1 verses 1 to 16. This is the word of the Lord. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my lord were with a prophet who is in Samaria? He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord, Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Assyria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten chains of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, With this letter, when this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you, Naaman my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive, that this man sends words to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider how he is seeking a quarrel with me. Verse 8, But when Elijah the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me. Let him now come to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So, no, so Naaman went his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elijah's house. And Elijah sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times. And your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hands over the place 
and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters in Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, is it a great word the prophet has spoken to you? Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and not be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel, so accept now a present from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take, but he refused. This is the word of God for the people of God, and all of God's people said, Praise be to God. You may be seated. So the question I want to look at is, as people of God, how do we make an impact in God's kingdom and remain loyal and devoted to Him? And I suggest from this text three main points. The points are we can make in God's kingdom when we know Him, first of all. And also, we can make an impact in God's kingdom when we have faith and confidence in Him. And also, we can make in God's kingdom when we do not allow the circumstances of our life to detect our convictions. So we'll examine this text through the lens of the little girl from the land of Israel. We'll also look at Naaman, the king of Israel, and Elijah, the man of God. So the story begins with a character named Naaman. You know, in that time, Israel and Syria were enemies. They were fighting. There was a lot of fightings, but somehow they have made a truce, and there was some sort of peace in the land, but there were little skirmishes here and there. So Naaman, this man, is commander of the army of Syria. He's a great man. He was highly favored. Because through him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty valor, meaning he was greatly courageous in the face of danger. As we can possibly imagine, this guy had everything going for him. He had the best of Syria had to offer. He's in high places. But the text immediately says that he has one big problem. He was a leper. This is some sort of skin disease. There are a lot of skin diseases. This leprosy, we know that it did not stop him from active duty. He continued to serve the king. He continued to do his job. But the worst kind are those that really disfigures, that chops our feet and hands, and those that are contagious. And in Old Testament times, those are to be separated from the people and remain in a secluded area. But this guy continued to serve his king under these circumstances. Even though it is not an advanced one, this is a big issue for him. And the best of Syrian physicians and uh, 
medicines and all of those things could not cure him. I suspect he tried so many things. He went to so many doctors and they could not help him. And this may have resulted in frustrations and pain for him and for his family. When his wife heard from this little girl from the land of Israel telling her that there is a cure in Samaria, if he were to appear before the prophet, she immediately told her husband, there is a possibility for this cure. You have to go and see this prophet who is in Israel. And the king, his king, was willing to send his commander to Israel. But the narrator of the story quickly shifts the focus from this great big man, this commander of the army of Syria, to the little girl. I don't know how old she is, but I suspect she is a teenage. We have a lot of teenage girls here. She is a teenage. She is little, and she is from the land of Israel. She was carried off in one of their raids. She's quite possibly, she was sold into slavery. She became a maid into the service of Naaman's wife. She was away from her family, from the places where she grew up, from her friends, and from her land, and taken into captivity. In contrast to Naaman's situation, her situation is dark, bleak, and altogether opposite. You can imagine this guy is so great, so big, and she is so little. Tiny, I don't know her size. He's a free man, but she's a slave. He lives in his own land with his family and with his friends, but she lives in a foreign land in an enemy territory away from her family. He's the commander of the army of Syria, but she's a simple mate. He had everything and she had nothing. But there is one big difference, again, between these two. He has a big problem, he has a huge problem, and she knew where to find the solution. The little girl from the land of Israel had to make a choice to be used of God, to be instruments of grace, to make an impact for God's kingdom, or allow hatred, enmity, and anger at the things that they did to her and refuse to share the good news of the cure. Though she was small, weak, and insignificant, the little girl knew the Lord, who is able to heal. She not only knew the Lord, but also willing to share the good news and allow Naaman to receive the cure. Despite all the odds, what made the little girl from the land of Israel to be used of God when her own situations were difficult? Her own situations was not convenient, but she allowed God to use her to impact his kingdom. And I'm suggesting that she knows about God. Her knowledge of God may be not full or maybe not complete, but she knows enough that there is a God. And he had a prophet who lived in Samaria. She had confidence and faith in that God who can cure him from this incurable disease of leprosy. So where did this little girl from the land of Israel got this courage, this faith, this knowledge? Perhaps from her families? Or maybe she has seen the prophet Elijah did some miraculous signs and wonders. 
I suggest also for us today, God uses any committed believer, no matter how small or ordinary or unimportant we may be. God does not look at our does not look at us and say, oh, I can use them, I cannot use that. But he can use everybody. She was able to make a huge impact because she chose to use the little knowledge she had, the little faith she had on the Lord, on his prophet. So what's holding us back from making an impact in God's kingdom? Is it lack of knowledge about God or is it lack of faith or confidence in him? Or is it fear that holds us back? Or is it pride like Naaman who has allowed his status to blind him? This is an interesting story and it continued. Naaman, eager for the cure for his leprosy, loaded the best of Syria's silver and gold and clothing. And with the king's letter in his hand, he headed to the land of Israel in search for the cure he could not find in his own country. The little girl told him to go and show himself to the prophet, but what Naaman did was he went and presented himself to the king of Israel. The estimated worth of goods that Naaman took to the king of Israel as a gift was estimated about $5 million. And you can't turn that into, but I don't want to do the maths for you. You can imagine how much he took with him. He was eager for the cure. And his desire to pay whatever it takes to get rid of this burden that is slowly but surely killing him. When the king of Israel read the letter from the king of Syria, which read, when this letter reaches you, Know that I have sent you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. This is like a bombshell. This is an impossible request. How can I do this? The king of Israel had a different response from the little girl from the land of Israel. When the king read the letter, what did he do? He tore off his clothes. And he said, am I God to kill and to make alive? Curing him of leprosy is like killing somebody and then bringing them back to life. He accuses the king of Syria saying, he, this guy is looking for an excuse to start a war with me. This king looked at the situation and looked at his own capacity to resolve it. He did not recognize this opportunity to make an impact for God's kingdom. But he looked at it as a threat to his own kingdom, to his own name, to his own reputation, and he was disappointed. As a king, he should have known better that there is a God, there is a Lord, there is his prophet living in his own land named Elijah. This is in sharp contrast from the response to the little girl from the land of Israel in response to Naaman's leprosy. She looked at it and she said, this can be healed. He can receive healing for his disease if he were to appear before the prophet. And the king looked at it and he said, how can I do this? This guy is asking me for the impossible. She looked to the Lord, 
but he looked, the king looked at himself, at his own capacity to resolve it. So when we are faced with difficult situations, how do we respond? To respond like the king of Israel who looked at himself or like the little girl who directed it to the Lord. What situations are you facing right now? Or what's holding you back? Is it sickness? Is it loss? Is it job loss or worry or anxiety or loss of direction or financial difficulties? I know we all are facing a lot of challenges and difficulties in this time, whether big or small. Do we, like Naaman, go to the wrong place and find relief at a high price to resolve our situations? Or like the king of Israel, look at his own capacity to do it or his own ability and get frustrated? Whatever kind of burden, worry, and anxiety you are carrying this morning, I suggest, as the Bible says, bring it to Jesus. Because the Bible says, come to me. Jesus said, come to me. All who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, come to me. And I will give you rest. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Come to me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. May I suggest to you to come to the right place at the feet of our Lord. Surrender it all to Jesus. Finally, when words got to the man of God that the king of Israel, the one who should symbolize the nation had torn his clothes off, he sent him, send it to me, send Naaman to me, and I will deal with it. So the proud Naaman stood at the door of Elijah's house with his entourage of horses and chariots and gifts to appease or impress the man of God. I like how God deals with the proud. Those guys who say, I know it all, I have it all, I am better than all. He has a good medicine for them. Imagine, commander of the army of Ethiopia, standing at my door with his entourage. Would I not run out and greet him and say, oh, welcome, welcome to my house. But the man of God, he did not even came out to greet him. He only sent a messenger, possibly Gehazi, to this high-profile commander of the Syrian army who was standing at the door, at his door, right there. To add salt to his wound, he told him, go and wash in the Jordan River seven times. If he's willing to go through the humiliation, he will not only receive a cure for his disease, but his flesh shall be restored and he shall be clean. This Syrian guy, as you can imagine, was angry. He was enraged. He could not take 
take that. You know, this, was, this guy was high in profile. Everyone was serving him. Everyone come out to greet him. Wherever he go, there is this red carpet lining up for him. He had everything going for him. But this one, he could not take how he was treated by the prophet. He said, I thought he would surely come out. At least the little he should do, this guy, is come out and greet me. Stand before me. Call upon the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Because I, I suspect that Naaman was imagining how his cure would happen. This may be how his countryman did these healing rituals um, there. He was wanting to his, impose his own ways on how the man of God should cure him. The Jordan River is not a nice river. It is muddy and dirty and it's small. And it, it does not fit the status of Naaman. He said, our rivers, Abana and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, they are better, nicer, and, and cleaner. How come this guy asks me to do this? Naaman was not willing to go through the humiliation in front of all. To his credit, one thing I admire for him is that he listens to advice from, from little people, who, those who serve him. He listened to advice from the little girl, and he also listened to advice from one of his servants. And he went and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan River. <clears throat> when you are suspected of a skin disease like leprosy, you have to isolate seven times. I don't know why the prophet told him to dip seven times, even in a chapter earlier when uh, the Shunammite's son was... When, when he died, he sneezed seven times and then he came back to life. Seven, the number seven is a sign of completeness. But when Naaman was willing to let go of his pride and allow himself to humbly obey the word of the man of God, his flesh was restored like the flesh of a young child, a little child, and he was clean. Just imagine for a moment, as he was going through that ritual, that he, as he was going through the river seven times, one, two. On the seventh dip, as he's coming out, he looked at himself right and left, and he was clean. He could not believe his eyes. Where did all it go? It may be foolish, but he received healing. This simple act of faith, the willingness to humbly go through the humiliation brought about healing and restoration. Even Jesus quoted and remembered him in, in Luke 4. He says, there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. Like Naaman, who had to deal with the issue of leprosy, we all have to deal with the issue of sin in our lives, no matter who we are. High or low, big or small, rich or poor, young or adults, we had to deal with it. We cannot deal with it like Naaman tried his ways, as he's trying to impose his own ways upon God. We all have to trust in the grace of God, and that grace is for everyone. Everyone. 
And this grace, it says in Titus 2.11, says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, regardless of who we are. Naaman was a Gentile and received healing and restoration from the Lord. We can try and seek and find salvation at the wrong place, at the high price. But salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved except the name of Jesus. So Naaman, when he received healing, he at once returned to the man of God. And he said, Behold, I know there is no God in all the earth, but in Israel. Confession of faith. He begged the man of God, Elijah, to accept his present. He was not trying to buy the healing. He received it free of charge. But the man of God said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he refused. God's grace of salvation is free. Free of charge. Naaman was willing to pay it all. To give it all. But he received it free of charge. God's gift of salvation is free. And it is for everyone. Amen. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. This chain of events happened because a little girl from the land of Israel chose to share the good news of a potential cure to someone, to her captors, to those who took her away from her family and reduced her to servanthood. This little girl who came to serve Naaman's wife, the nameless girl, is the unsung heroes of the story. She had a significant impact. It was her speaking that set in motion the healing journey of Naaman. She was an insider in a foreign land, in a foreign place, in an enemy territory. Her unfavorable circumstance did not deter her from allowing the grace of God to impact others. She just pops in two verses and she disappears. We don't know anything about her. But she was a faithful witness. Through her sharing of the good news, she made an impact in God's kingdom. She may not have known little about God. And her faith and confidence in God may have gone down a little bit because of her captivity and her situation. But she did not allow her situation to determine, to dictate her conviction about God and his plan to heal and redeem. How are we to live in the present while we wait for the glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus? We have to remain loyal and devoted to him. We all are different, as I can see. As I told you, our worship team came from different nations. As I'm seeing out here, we all come from different places, right? Our contexts are different. Our situations are different. But we have an opportunity to make a gospel impact in small and big ways. One of our staff, 
share this story with us, how he came to know the Lord. In Ethiopia, uh, our meat, they don't come from supermarket. They come from, <laughs> yeah, from the market, you know. <laughs> we have to buy our own sheep, our own goats, and bring it home and do the business at our home, in our, in our place. So our staff told us that one of these days, his family bought a sheep, and they called this guy to do the business on the sheep, to kill it, clean it, divide it, and, uh, and prepare it. And this is not a nice job. I don't know what you call them in English. We call them bagaraj in Amharic. I don't know in English. I don't know if you have bagaraj. <laughs> But we call them bagara. This is like the meanest, the smallest, dirtiest job you can imagine. And this guy came to their house to do that job. But while he's doing it, he began to share the gospel to our staff. He came to get some money to do some work. But his mission, his mindset is always to impact, make an impact in God's kingdom. So he shared the gospel to him and told him where to go to grow in his journey. Because of this man's faithfulness, as a faithful witness, and sharing while he's doing the smallest job, he may be like the smallest, meanest job that he was doing, but he's not allowing his situation, his circumstances from his focus. So he shared the gospel to him, and because of that testimony, our staff man came to know the Lord. Where has the Lord placed you? What is your situation? Because you live in that neighborhood, because you work in that place, or because you, you went to that gym, or because you do that or that, how is your kingdom impact? Are you allowing your own circumstances to deter you from making an impact in God's kingdom? Or are you going above and beyond the circumstance and making an impact in God's kingdom. One more illustration. I believe most of us know the great preacher, Charles Spurgeon. But do we know who impacted him the most? It was Mary King who was the cook at his own school. She was the one who really impacted him the most. A simple cook impacting the greatest preacher of our time. I also know while living in Dubai in the early 2000s, there were a lot of Ethiopians made, housemaids, who went there in search of better opportunities, and they work in the wealthy Arab houses. <clears throat> yes, it is true, some of them faced a lot of hardships and unjust treatments. But I know for a fact that some of them were so focused that they were sharing the gospel to the children of these wealthy Arab nations. Because they were so busy, these Ethiopian males have an opportunity to impact the little children for the gospel. They are impacting the next generations. These are the unsung heroes of our time. My brothers and sisters, the Bible says, consider your calling. Consider your calling. 
Not many of you were wise when you were called according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is lowly and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring nothing to things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So at, as a church at IEC, as elders and pastors and ministry leaders, our desire is to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity and faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What is holding you? What's keeping you back from making a gospel impact in God's kingdom? This morning, some of you may be like Naaman, who's looking for his sin problem at the wrong place with a, with a high price. Those of you who are identified, who can identify themselves as Naaman's, Come to Jesus. He will wash your sins away and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The Bible says the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. My friends, if you hear this voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Come to Jesus. Accept the free gift of salvation. The rest of us who have experienced, who have received this gift of salvation, as we wait for the glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus, we are to remain loyal and devoted to Him by knowing Him growing in our knowledge of Him, in our faith, in our confidence in Him, and not allowing our circumstances to, to deter us from growing in our convictions so that the power of God through His Spirit may allow us to impact others. Do not allow this situation to deter you from making an impact in God's kingdom. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the testimony, for the faithful witness of those who have gone before us, Lord, for the way in which they have not allowed their difficulties and challenges and circumstances to deter them from making an impact in your kingdom, Lord. We all come from different places. Our situation and context may be different. Lord, we pray that However it may be, may we continue to grow in knowing you, in our confidence and faith in you. And may we look at the situations in our lives as an opportunity to make an impact in your kingdom, Lord. May we not only look to ourselves as the King of Israel did, but may we be like the little girl from the land of Israel who opened her eyes and points 
those to you, our Lord. May we remain faithful and loyal and devoted to you in however circumstance we may be in. So we thank you and bless you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.